things that bump in the night. Things that creep us out. Voices from another realm. The figures that move out of the corner of your eye. That odd light in the sky. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Came From Amity, and across from me as always is Noah Weddle. How's it going? So, um, we are on part two of Lizzie Borden. Last week we covered the, basically the main part of the crime, the crime itself. Um, we talked about what happened, how they were found, we talked about, uh, you know, how the stepmother and how the father was found. We talked about, so we talked about, uh, basically the, uh, kind of just leading into, uh, the trial and stuff. Right. All the bloody details. Yeah, we did all the bloody details. We talked about a couple of the suspects. Of course, the main one being Lizzie Borden. We talked about the, uh, the brother-in-law, um, the sister being gone. Yeah, the sister being gone. So we kind of talked about all the crime stuff. So now we're going to get into the trial of Lizzie Borden. Uh, Did you see a picture of Abby and Lizzie? Yes. They look almost exactly alike. They really do. They they're, were they were definitely sisters. Like Abby's face was like a little longer. Yeah. But yeah, they were almost identical. They were, they were very close. Yes, they were. Um, so uh, an interesting fact is even though there was a couple of suspects, Lizzie was the only one that was ever arrested and formally charged for the crime of the double murders. Um, and that's what we're going to kind of get into. She got today. away like OJ. Oh, the other thing we're going to get into is the paranormal aspect of the uh, of the murders and of the Lizzie Borden house. Do you think well. this was a sensational case like OJ back then? This this trial here was the basically like their crime of of the of their generation. So like everybody was like he did or she did it. She definitely did it. If the glove fits, if yeah, the axe that's exactly fits. it. I mean, yeah. every there was a lot of people who were one hundred percent convinced that Lizzie Borden. They just didn't have TV or internet, so it didn't spread as fast as OJ. They had to wait for newspaper every day. Probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because when you when you look at it, I mean, let's see. I mean, it happened what at the turn of the century. Yeah. So uh, telegram and newspaper. Yeah, it happened uh, in 1892. So you're looking at, yeah, telegraphs. Yeah. You know, or, or, or mail. Yeah. Or just, you know, snail mail because that's all there was. There was no other. I wonder how newspapers worked back then. Was there like a central thing where they tuned in and got their everyday, like their news topics of the world? Is that how that worked? I remember reading something a long time ago. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? So you, you kind of, I, I don't think it was the Associated Press like it is now, but there was basically like, kind of like this like loose union. Like a network. Of journalists. Yeah. And so they, but back then, okay, so nowadays, okay, we're, we're going to do this real quick because you're going to get me rolling on it. Yeah. And I hate you for it. So I'm anyway, sorry. Okay. So nowadays you have six major companies that run 
all of the mainstream media, right? right. So the newspapers, the, the news on TV. Yeah. There's like six major companies that run all of it. It's like Comcast, Viacom. Exactly. MSN, Disney. all of them. Yeah. So there's like six major companies that run all that. Back then, you only had a couple of giants and they didn't really run like that. Right. Most um, media were independent. They worked as their own thing. So yeah. if there was like a paper in Edinburgh, Indiana, it was an independent paper. Until like that William Randolph Hearst guy came along and bought up like start every newspaper. Yeah, just start swallowing Radio them up. channel. Yeah. yeah. Because it's much easier to control what you want people to think and know if you control yeah. everything <clears> they read. <throat> and it give, and if you leave the names alone, it gives them the illusion of like, uh, uh, of like, you know, uh, what is it called? The illusion like of, a, of, of opposing, variety. Yeah, yeah, variety of views and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and and of course, nowadays, it's even worse. Oh, yeah. Because, like I said, there's six major companies that run all it's that. It's even worse now, yeah. And and you could buy this paper. You could buy six different papers. That's that, why we're so divided as a nation now, because they have such easy control over what we think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it. You could buy six different papers right now, and chances are, there's a good chance that those six papers are probably owned by the same major company. Yeah. So, I mean, and, people, and, and, people never really got along all the way and nobody ever really thought 100% like each other but today I feel like it's worse you know people don't get along as much now there's hate for no reason because we're taught to hate this or that yeah you know and you're black and white there's there's very little gray in a lot of very little gray so that's why I always try to like if I read an article I will cross reference it to other articles to see if anything adds up but I got to go deeper. I don't always look at what the surface, because like I said, it's there's six major companies that own the media. Yeah. So you got to go below that, below that, below that, and see if it susses out. When I read an article, I try to pick out like opinion. Because if it's an opinion that I'm reading, I'm like, well, I don't care about that, you know? And you got to, and you got to kind of like, I want to know what buzzwords. actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you got to dodge the buzzwords because people yeah. will use buzzwords because they want you to get worked up. Yes. But, but yeah, back then the whole Lizzie Borden case was like sensationalized nationwide. And it was, I mean, in every single paper in the country at the time. So it was like OJ. Yeah, exactly. Like OJ. Yeah. Probably just as famous back then as OJ is now. Oh yeah. And it was sensationalized. And of course, immediately people started forming their opinions. Um, Now the crime scene photos wasn't released like OJ's was. Well, there's a difference too. Like Lizzie might not have actually done it. Right. OJ definitely did it. <laughs> There's no know. doubt. The glove didn't fit, There's bro. no doubt that OJ did it. The glove didn't fit. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And I, we, he we, definitely did we it. We didn't do the OJ case. We've never done we, that. I did something on it. It was okay. a 90s show we did. We did an oh, episode okay. on yeah, OJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, we can do them sometime. Yeah, we can. It, it's, it's been 30 years now, so. Uh, yeah, I think I was I was in elementary school. Yeah, we can do it again. It. Yeah. Okay. We could do that. Interesting case. There's so much to it. It really is. It's the, massive. And the, it is. And then you got like, and then they had like another suspect. Like, mm. well, not a suspect, but it's like a, been like an internet theory. It was like. In the Jeep with him or in the Bronco with him. Well, it was like another guy. It was like OJ's son. I think he actually did it. Yeah. There's been multiple. Yeah. Yeah. But there was somebody they thought was in the Bronco with him. And yeah. It, it's crazy. It is. They think his son covered up for him. Yeah. So whatever, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll do it. <laughs> separate, separate. I brought it up. I should have, because we go down the rabbit we hole. We really do. And it's like, oh yeah. We're, so Lizzie. We're like ADHD kids over here. Right. 
Um, okay, so Lizzie, we're going to get into the inquest. So the inquest back then, I was like, uh, we don't really use that term anymore. So an inquest is like a formal investigation into a singular person. Who were you on the night of? <laughs> yes, and, it, and they the really light. start to dig in, and they really start to yeah. probe. Uh, usually, though, when they do an inquest, they, they they got one person targeted for the crime. Lizzie, you wrote in your journal, Ugh, I could just kill my parents. Yeah. <laughs> What do you mean by that, Lizzie? Exactly. Oh, no. Uh, so uh, the inquest basically means that this person has to appear and start having, uh, being formally interrogated and questioned, right. investigated. So she appeared at the inquest uh, hearing on August 8th. Her inquest to have her family attorney present was refused under a state statute providing that an inquest must be held in private. Uh, That's not lawful at all nowadays. Right. They can't, you can't, they can't, if you want a lawyer, they have to have one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the law has changed since then. Yes. Which is probably, probably why they don't really have inquests anymore. Well, because they, what they wanted to do is they wanted the, the person's own words. Yeah. And they, but you still have a right to have a lawyer present, right? Like nowadays you do. Well, yeah. 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 And even then you did, but they, they kind of muddled it to where, well, in the inquest, this is you and, and the, the state that seems like it advantageous to them. Like they made it that so they could find right. you guilty before they even find you guilty. Right. That's why we have that law now. I think where you, if you request a lawyer, there's no, a cop can't question you alone, no matter what, if you want a lawyer, he's, he's there. Yeah. You know? The second you go, I'm not going to talk until I right. basically invoking your fifth amendment, which is the way it should be because right. cops want, and this is not a slight against cops, right? But, they want to close the case, get it done, move on. They're looking right. for reasons why you're guilty. Yeah. And that's just how it is. So they're going to try to persuade that. Yeah. So, you know, it's lawful to have a judge there or a lawyer there. So. Exactly. Um, so, and at the time, she is being prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves. Which yeah. we don't use morphine for that now. No. Um, it would work, though. It's highly addictive. Yeah. Um, and it is possible her testimony was affected by this. Yeah, that's an, you can't have somebody testify while they're high. Right. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back then, that was the regular thing, like Gosh. morphine and uh, what's the other? Laudanum. Dilaudid. Uh, or I don't laudanum know. Laudanum was laudanum. Where, uh, the opium. Well, opium, opium was the main ingredient in that. Heroin. Yeah, heroin. Uh, cocaine. cocaine. Yeah, I mean, so... They gave cocaine to dentist patients because it numbed their gums and everything, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, here's a funny little uh, anecdote to that, too, is back during the Civil War, they were given morphine mm -hmm. post-op, you know, yeah. for these amputees, right? Well, these patients started becoming addicted to morphine, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, this isn't good. It only takes one dose to get you addicted. Yeah, and so what did they do? They, they go, well, let's get these people off morphine, so let's give them cocaine. Yeah. Uh. So they were giving these uh, Civil War veterans cocaine to get them off the morphine, and it worked. So but, stupid. But now you got a. So now you got, you know, a patient that's addicted to cocaine because cocaine was like, what, twenty times more addictive to morphine, yeah. something like that. So it's like, well, yeah, it worked. You, I mean, mission accomplished. But now you have a cokehead. It's so, so stupid. Yeah, people back then were not, uh, and. We're not very aware of how different drugs affected the mind and the body, and they were not right. aware that. I mean, you can't blame somebody. You do, you do some morphine. You never had anything like that before, and then all of a sudden you're just floating on daisies. Like, of course you're gonna 
be addicted. I mean, you can't blame them for that, you know? Yeah, I mean, because, like, back then, you know, most people were not, you know... It's like if you had an amazing, amazing orgasm. Yeah. It's like, of course I want to have another one. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, like I said, I mean, you know, in the 1860s, mo- you know, the United States was not the industrial and and heavy, well, he- and a pavement jungle like we have now. Right. Most most guys, were, you know, back then were living off farms. They were living in small towns. Yeah. So, you know. Drug might, use wasn't rampant. Yeah, it wasn't something as, like, morphine. Like, that wasn't just something that, I mean, you could and go they, into the drugstore and get. They didn't it, have, like, pharmaceutical companies like they do now. Yeah. It was just like, here's some heroin. Here's some cocaine. Maybe, you know, some antibiotics or whatever like they didn't have a ton of stuff you no. know i mean and that's the thing is like back then you had, you had these like companies that made stuff but they weren't like pharma giants no. you know and it it just they didn't exist at least in the united states and it's just yeah it was a totally Try this beast. dr tasty's you know <laughs> dr it tasty's. comes in a jar off a wagon with a what do they call them they go through town to town oh snake, snake oil, oil salesmen yeah. yeah that yeah. was their pharmaceuticals back then exactly this would have been about the time. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I Let, mean, what was it? Late 1800s, right? Uh, yeah, the, the the murder happened in 1892. So, yeah. So, yeah, this would have been the yeah. Wild Wild West. Yeah. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they were in that time frame. Yeah. It definitely would have been. Yeah. But they're in Boston, right? Yeah, but the stuff still like that happened. It just yeah. wasn't as prevalent as being out It wasn't the like Missouri or something. Right. Because, so. yeah, because the doctors in those towns would have been absolutely livid. Yeah. You know, like you were kind of in their... In their in their territory. Right. So, um, they said her behavior was erratic, erratic, and there was uh, oftentimes where she refused to answer a question, even if the answer would be beneficial to her. Uh, she often, uh, she was high. Exactly. Uh, she often contradicted herself and provided alternating counts of the morning questions, such as saying she was in the kitchen reading a magazine when her father arrived home, then saying she was in the dining room doing some ironing, and then saying she was coming down the stairs. She also said she moved her father's boots and put slippers on him, while police photographs clearly showed him still wearing his boots. Uh, the district attorney was also very aggressive and confrontational. On August 11th, Borden was served with a warrant of arrest and jailed. Uh, the inquest testimony, the basis for the modern debate regarding her guilt or innocence, was later ruled inadmissible at her trial in June of 1893. Uh, at the time, newspaper articles noted that Borden had possessed a stolid demeanor and bit her lips, flushed, and bent toward Attorney Adams. It was also reported that the testimony report uh, provided in inquest had caused a change of opinion among her friends who have heretofore strongly maintained her innocence. Did they look at her hands? Uh, we will know that when we get to the trial portion. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious. I don't because see anything in the inquest itself. The first thing they do, especially like gun violence, they check your hands for powder and stuff, right? Or if you stab someone, they check for cuts or, or serrated. So if she's hitting somebody with an ax that many times, her little hands are going to be bruised or cut up or calloused or something uh, from that rubbing. I mean, there, there's a chance that she would have some kind of abrasions and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to remember, I mean, this was, cr- you know, crime invest, excuse me, cri- crime investigating in the 1890s. So, yeah, they probably didn't think to look at her hands or it, something. It's a good possibility they didn't. And, and especially with her, you know, the fact that they chopped wood every day. True. You know, and they and they did stuff around the house. They did chores. They did yeah. things. It probably wouldn't have been that uncommon for them to have callous or bruised hands. That's true. 
uh, I mean, and granted, she lived in town, and and she didn't. But I'm 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 sure with her father being a spendthrift that they still made him chop their own wood. She didn't seem like she would really did that much of hard labor, though. She kind of seemed a little spoiled, you know. She would disagree that she was spoiled. Yeah, but I mean, she had a nice house, mm-hmm. you know, clothing. I mean, she had everything she needed. Yeah, that definitely had everything. So she maybe she just daddy. And that's a good possibility. I don't know. I don't know her and never knew her, so no. I can't can't make a judgment. Um, there was actually a three-page write-up in the Boston Globe. That's how big this was getting. A grand jury uh, began hearing evidence on November 7th, and Borden was indicted on December 2nd. So during the trial, it, took, uh, it started June 5th of 1893. Uh, prosecuting attorneys were um, Hosea M. Knowlton and future United States Supreme Court Justice William H. Moody. Uh, defending uh, Lizzie Borden was Andrew V. Jennings, Melvin O. Adams, and former Massachusetts Governor George D. Robinson. Uh, five days before the trial's commencement on June 1st, another axe murder occurred in Fall River. This time the victim was Bertha Manchester, was found hacked to death in her kitchen. Oh. The similarities between the Manchester and Borden's murders were striking and noted by jurors. However, Jose Correa de Mayo DeMello, DeMello, it's Portuguese. So, uh, immigrant was later convicted of Manchester's murder in 1894 and was determined to not have been in the vicinity of Fall River at the time of the Borden murders. Um, also, another point of discussion in the trial or press coverage of it was the hatchet head found in the basement, which was not convincingly discerned by the prosecution to be the murder weapon. Prosecutors argued that the killer had removed the handle because it would have been covered in blood. Uh, one officer testified that the hatchet handle was found near the hatchet head, but another officer contradicted this. And though no bloody clothing was found at the scene, Russell testified that on August 8th of 1892, she had witnessed Borden burn a dress in the kitchen stove, saying it had been ruined when she brushed against wet paint. During the course of the trial, defense never attempted to challenge the statement. Hmm. By which I don't know why that you think that the defense would want to do that. I mean, that. they wouldn't. I don't know. Whatever. I mean. I don't understand. You think I don't feel like they would burn a dress for that. They would just make rags out of it or something. They would reuse it. You know. I mean, it's very possible. Back then, that's what you did. You didn't just burn stuff. Yeah, and you think the defense would want to question that, right? Go, that doesn't make sense. X, Y, Z, Y. Right. You know. I know, like my grandma. I remember my great grandma. She'd have a dress that she wore to church, and when it started to rip or go bad, she would just make stuff out of it. Yeah. I'm gonna make dish rags, or I'm gonna make, you know, like. Oh, yeah. My dad would take um, old T-shirts, mm-hmm. and then once they got ratty, he would just cut them up and make them shop like, rags. Like oil rags. Yeah. yeah. And, and there'd, be a, there'd be a whole folded-up stack in his, uh, under his bench right. of just, you know, these repurposed shop rags. I mean, when you're, you know, lower middle class like we were, you, 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 know, use, you know, reuse everything. Um, so Lizzie Borden's presence at the home was also point of dispute during the trial. According to testimony, Sullivan entered the second floor of the home at around 10.58 a.m. and left Lizzie and her father downstairs. And Lizzie told people uh, that at this time she went into the barn and was not in the house for 20 minutes or possibly a half an hour. Uh, Hyman Lubinsky testified for the defense that he saw Lizzie Borden leaving the barn at 10.03 a.m. and Charles Garner confirmed that time. Then at 11.10 a.m., Lizzie called Sullivan downstairs, told her Andrew had been murdered, and ordered her not to enter the room. Instead, Borden sent her to get a doctor. 
uh, both victims' heads had been removed during autopsy, and the skulls were admitted as evidence during the skull and presented on June 5, 1893. Upon seeing them in the courtroom, Borden fainted. Evidence was excluded that Borden had sought to purchase prussic acid, also called hydrogen cyanide, reportedly uh, for cleaning a sealskin cloak from a local druggist on the day before the murders. We talked about this uh, last week. Yeah. The judge ruled that the incident was too remote in time to have any connection. The presiding associate justice, Justin Dewey, had been appointed by Robinson when he was the governor, delivered a lengthy summary that supported the defense as his charge to the jury before it was sent to deliberate on June 20th, 1893. So it took almost a whole month um, for all the evidence to be included and for there to be witnesses uh, questioned and stuff like that. Um, after an hour and a half deliberation, the jury acquitted Borden of the murders. Upon exiting the courthouse, she told reporters that she was the happiest woman in the world. The trial had been compared to the later trials of Bruno Hauptmann, Ethel and Julius Rosenberg, and O.J. Simpson as a landmark in publicity and public interest in the history of the American legal proceedings. So, your comparison was right as far as to the, uh, I guess, spectacle yeah. of the legal system and, 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 her, and her trial. Um. And although that she was acquitted at trial, Borden remained the prime suspect in her father's and stepmother's murders. Um, <clears throat> writer Victoria Lincoln proposed in 1967 that Borden might have committed the murders while in a fugue state. Another prominent suggestion was that she was physically and sexually abused by her father, which drove her to kill him. There is little evidence to support this, but incest is they not. They always go to that. They always do. That's a dumb excuse. Every time a daughter kills a father, yeah. that's usually what they do. There's they some always theory go to that. about incest. It's boring. Right. And, but incest was not a topic that would have been discussed at the time, and the methods for collecting physical evidence would have been quite different in 1892. Uh, the belief, uh, this belief was uh, intimated in local papers at the time of the murders and was revisited by scholar Marsha Carlyle in a 1992 essay. Uh, there is a mystery author, Evan Hunter, in his 1984 novel called Lizzie. Suggested Borden committed the murders after be caught in a tryst with Sullivan. Uh, that's kind of where this started to come from. McBain elaborated on speculation in a 1999 interview, speculating that Abby had caught Lizzie and Sullivan together and had reacted with horror and disgust, and that Lizzie had killed Abby with a candlestick. When Andrew returned, she had confessed to him, but killed him in a rage with a hatchet when he reacted exactly as Abby had. And McBain further speculates that Sullivan disposed of the hatchet somewhere afterwards in her later years. Borden was rumored to be a homosexual, but there was no such speculation about Sullivan, who found other employment after the murders and later married a man she met while working as a maid in Butte, Montana. And she died there in 1948, where she allegedly gave a deathbed confession to her sister, saying that she had changed her testimony on the stand in order to protect Borden. Um, huh. So that's a pretty big piece right yeah. there. I mean, that's, isn't that like, that's what's perjury. it called? Perjury. But, I mean, she's on her deathbed. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, another significant suspect was John Morse or Lizzie's uncle. Uh, and that was her biological mother's brother. Uh, they rarely met with the family after her sister died, but had slept in the house the night before the murders. And according to law enforcement, Morse had provided an absurdly perfect and over-detailed alibi for the death of Abby Borden. He was considered a suspect by police for a period of time. And others known as potential suspects in the crimes include Sullivan, uh, possibly in retaliation for being ordered to clean the windows on a hot day, 
the day of the murders was unusually hot. And at the time, she was still recovering from a mystery illness that had struck the household, food poisoning. Uh, the man named William Borden, suspected to be Andrew's illegitimate son, was noted to be a possible suspect by writer Arnold Brown, who surmised in his book, Lizzie Borden, The Legend, The Truth, and the Final Chapter, that William had tried it and failed to extort money from his father. Sorry, guys. So, uh, Noah's taking care of something real quick, so we're going to continue with the Lizzie Borden uh, aftermath, basically. Um, so... Um, however, author Leonard Rebello did extensive research on William Borden and Brown's book and was able to prove he was not Andrew Borden's son. Although Emma had an alibi at Fairhaven about 15 miles from Fall River, crime writer Frank Spearing proposed in his 1984 book Lizzie that she might have been secretly visited that she might have secretly visited the residence to kill her parents before turning into Fairhaven to receive the telegram informing her of the murders. <clears throat> So here's the f kind of one of the funny things about the aftermath of um, the murders of Lizzie's father and stepmother is that both biological daughters ended up inheriting the money uh, that Mr. Borden had, which was a lot of money. And um, after the trial, the Borden sisters actually moved into a large modern house in a neighborhood called The Hill in Fall River. And around this time, Lizzie began using the name Lizbeth, L-I-Z-B-E-T-H-A, uh, -E Borden. Um, their new house, which uh, Lizbeth later dubbed the Maplecroft, they had a staff that included living maids, a housekeeper, and a coachman. And because Abby uh, was ruled to have had died before Andrew, her estate first went first to Andrew, and then at his death passed to the daughters as part of his estate. A considerable settlement, however, was paid to settle claims by Abby's family. And despite the acquittal, Borden was ostracized by Fall River Society. Her name uh, was again brought to the public eye when she was accused of shoplifting in 1897 in Providence, Rhode Island. And in 1905, shortly after an argument over a party that Elizabeth had given for actress Nance O'Neill, Emma moved out of the house and never saw her sister again. Um, so... After Lizzie or Elizabeth basically inherited all that money from her father's estate, she was noted by Fall River Society as basically living high on the hog, um, as it were. They bought that nice manor. They, you know, they basically bought everything that they wanted. They had, uh, as the article states, they had uh, all sorts of live and help. Um, that they kept paid. Um, Lizzie bought the finest of clothing of the time. So they went from basically living um, with very little, you know, they, you know, spending, uh, you know, the father, as we've stated before, was a very much a spendthrift. He liked to save money whenever he could. He didn't like to spend money. And it was at this point, Lizzie now has all this money, so she's going to freely spend the money whenever she feels like. And uh, Fall River Society at the time noted how they went from having these um, bland, plain clothing to more exuberant clothing, um, shoes, purses, hats, and the like, because now they can. Um, so 
at the end of it all, uh, Lizzie ends up uh, dying in pneumonia on June 1st of 1927 on Fall River. Um, funeral details were not published and very few people attended. Nine days later, her sister Emma died from chronic nephritis at the age of 76 in a nursing home in Newmarket, New Hampshire. Having moved to this location in 1923, both for health reasons and to avoid renewed attention following the publication of another book about the murders, the sisters, neither of whom had ever married, were buried side by side in the family plot in Oak Grove Cemetery. At the time of her death, Borden was worth uh, over $250,000, the equivalent of $5,233,000 in 2021. She owned a house on the corner of French Street and Belmont Street, several office buildings, shares in several utilities, two cars, and a large amount of jewelry. She left $30,000, the equivalent of $628,000, to the Fall River Animal Rescue League, and $500, which is the equivalent of $10,000 in 2021, and trust for perpetual care of her father's grave. Her closest friend and a cousin each received $6,000, or a, a total of $126,000 uh, today, uh, substantial sums at the time of the estate's distribution in 1927. And numerous friends and family members each received between $1,000 so $21,000 in 2021 and $5,000, $105,000 in 2021. So there's been tons of movies, tons of uh, TV specials, documentaries, books, novels um, that have depicted uh, the, the Lizzie Borden murders um, in great detail. Some of it ha uh, has taken liberties with the story. Some of them uh, use the um, uh, the proposed lesbian sex angle as a motive for the murder. Some say it's money. Um, some would go as far as to say that it wasn't Lizzie Borden at all, that it was John Morse. So yeah, throughout our culture in the last 100 years, um, it's been Lizzie Borden will, has not left our culture and she never will um so at the cold open of last week's episode uh we read the very famous um folk rhyme lizzie borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax and when she saw what she had done she gave her father 41 and what many people don't know myself included is there was actually a less well-known second verse Andrew Borden now is dead. Lizzie hit him on the head. Up in heaven he will sing, and on the gallows she will swing. Um, I had no idea that that existed till last week either. So, uh, what a lot of people might also be aware of is that um, that the legend of Lizzie Borden and the Axe Murders doesn't end with Lizzie's death. Um, that legend continues to live on in the haunting of the. Uh, Andrew Borden house. I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back. Nick. Everything always happens right when we decide to record. Every time, dude. Every time. This was supposed to be done an hour and a half ago, mm -hmm. and I had my day timed out perfectly. Right. Somebody ends up being late, and then here we go. Every time. This dude. is my luck. Every time. Beyond my control. So I'm just going to stop trying. <laughs> He's like, I'm just done. I'm Whatever. Done. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, as I said, the uh, Lizzie Borden house is rumored to be haunted and there's ton, been tons of 
specials at the Lizzie Borden house, investigations done at the Lizzie Borden house. Um, it's, um, I've heard EVPs coming from the house. Yeah. Um, there was one, I was, okay, a good one. I believe it was that BuzzFeed. We, we're talking about paranormal stuff now. Yes. Did you finish with the trial? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, it's that BuzzFeed, uh, those two yeah, guys. Shane and... Yeah. I can't remember his I, other name. I think they went to Lizzie Borden they House. Did. And they were in there, and of course they're walking around, and the one tall white guy is literally trying to... He doesn't believe in any of it. Shane, yeah. He doesn't believe in any of it. And so they're, he's basically teasing, and uh, the other guy, the little Asian guy, the Filipino dude, he's kind of like doing... He's recording. Yeah. And he picks up on audio a voice, a woman's voice that says, help me. Yeah. Which he believes is Sarah Borden, uh, Lizzie's stepmom. They had such gold with that show and then they quit. It's like, why? Yeah, they just quit. Now they're doing this, their channel Watcher, it's not nearly as good. No. Yeah. Uh, They did a true crime series there for a while too. Yeah. On BuzzFeed. Yeah. That series was so awesome, dude. But uh, Sorry guys, you're just not as good now. I agree. You should have you kept doing what you were doing because yeah. it was working. And what was funny is like he plays the audio for Shane where the audio says help me and mm-hmm. he absolutely does not buy it. He's like, it could have been anything. Yeah. I'm like that was literally a voice, my guy. Right. Like, but he did everything he could to basically just not believe it. I mean, I think it was for a lot of it was for character, though. Probably because there were sometimes you could tell he was literally freaked out. Oh, yeah. He'd be like, whoa. Oh, yeah. He'd be like, what was that? Yeah. Um. It was a good series. Um, if you ever get a chance to watch it, it's on Hulu. BuzzFeed Unsolved. Uh, yeah, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Uh, like I said, there's a true crime one and a para- uh, paranormal one. Yeah. They're both on Hulu. You can also watch them on YouTube. Um, there for a while. Such I think it was show. on Amazon, but I think that's before it got moved YouTube's to YouTube's the place to watch it. Yeah. Because you yeah. can watch all of their... They got so many episodes. Yes. And it's definitely worth watching. It's binge-worthy. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I watch it all the time. It's great. It's a great series to, to, to watch paranormal stuff without... Like feeling the need of like afterward turning all the lights in the house on. Yeah, it's it's much more lighthearted. Um, but anyway, so uh, there have been EVPs of like demonic growling. Uh, there's been a man's voice heard. There's been a woman's voice heard. Um, there's been some photographic evidence captured, some video. Um, but nowadays. Uh, and they totally restored the house. You can go that you could actually go to Lizzie Borden house and stay there. They keep it as yeah, a, uh, it's a B and B it's a B and B. Um, you can stay, um, in Lizzie's room. You can stay in Andrew's room. Uh, if you stay in Andrew's room, an interesting anecdote to it is that on the, uh, there's a dresser, I believe by the door where there's a, I, th- I believe there's a picture of Andrew Borden and you can leave like change as kind of like an offering to the ghost because uh, he was such a penny pincher mm. and you can like put like loose change there and supposedly according to legend he will take it um, I don't know if that's true I know mm. in the series of uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved Shane takes the change off the dresser he's like well let's just see what happens if I do this and he starts just swiping the change right off the dresser yeah um, but it's it's a uh, but yeah there's supposedly all sorts of stuff that happens in that house now as far as hauntings um evps uh, if you go to youtube and type in lizzie boarding hauntings um 
probably the number one thing that you'll find is EVPs. Um, there will be some groups that will claim to have pictures and video to some extent. And I'm not saying it's hard to trust pictures. You it, know? it is. I, I, it's hard to trust anything. Really. It really is. Um, like the, you know, who really ruined YouTube investigating or like ghost hunting for me was that Shane Dawson guy, the YouTube. Oh yeah. Shane Dawson. He like, like he did the Stanley hotel mm -hmm. and every, even the, the little key card thing. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah. These chairs are weird. creepy. Did you hear that? My camera's not focusing. It's like, cause you're in the dark. Like <laughs> he, he ruined stuff like that for a lot of people just yeah. cause he overreacts. Like and I'm not a techie guy, but even I know the camera's not focusing focus cause dark. it's, yeah. it's struggling to find light to focus. Yeah, it it's, has to have edges to yeah. focus on. And, and there's nothing. Right. So yeah, your cameras, unless your camera has like, but he would just a take every little or, thing though and make it evidence. Yeah. And that was, a, that ruins it. It really does. But the BuzzFeed guys were different. I yeah, feel. they were very cool. They were a good mix of true believer and skeptic. Yeah. Except he was like a hardcore skeptic. Like, no amount, I don't think any amount of evidence would have convinced Shane no. that something was haunted or real. Um, but, uh, it, very good, very good series. Very good, very good. I, I enjoyed it. Like, I'm not a massive BuzzFeed fan, but that series was really well done. Um, uh, as far as like, like, it's not like a big deep dive into a haunting, it's very surface and superficial level. But, um, if there's evidence they found, they presented it. Yeah. Like he, like the, the, and I cannot remember the Filipino guy name. Ryan. Ryan. Ryan Bergara, if, I think. It sounds right. If, I think he was actually Mexican and Japanese. No, he was Filipino. I know there was Filipino was in there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, cause he even makes, he makes a, there's a conversation about it in one episode. Okay. Um, but there was, uh, but anytime that they found evidence, Ryan would make sure that it got put on the show. Um, and then Lizzie Borden episode, I think there was only the two EVPs they caught. There was the one saying, help me. And there was one other, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. But yeah, if you go to YouTube and type in Lizzie Borden EVPs, you'll find all sorts of uh, EVP evidence from the Lizzie Borden house. Um, but yeah, they say that, um, they say that Sarah haunts it. They say that uh, Andrew haunts it. Um, they even say that Lizzie haunts it. Um, but again, uh, if you go and look at the EVPs, maybe you'll hear Lizzie, maybe you won't. Um, I do believe that in the BuzzFeed Unsolved, that particular episode, if I was to guess, I would say it was probably Sarah saying help me in the audio. Probably. But, um, but very, uh, very cool stuff if you want to go check that out for any type of audio and photographic evidence. He's of the Japanese, audio. Mexican, and Filipino. So, so I knew we the were Filipino right one. on all three. I knew the Filipino one for sure because yeah. he said there was only one Ryan. What's his last name? Vergara. Vergara. He said there's only one other in the world and he lives in the Philippines. So he said there's only two That's Ryan Vergaras and they both live in the and, and It doesn't both seem like that uncommon of a name. You wouldn't think so, but yeah, because yeah. he was like, oh yeah, because Shane makes a mention of how common Ryan Vergara is. He goes, no, there's only two of us. He goes, how do you, how do you know that? And he goes, well, I Googled it. He goes, oh, you Googled yourself? He's like, yeah, I wanted to see and there's only two. There's me and one other guy in the Philippines with that name. <laughs> um... So, yeah, uh, very interesting series. If you guys want to check that out on Hulu or YouTube, uh, very cool, uh, very funny. Shane uh, brings a lot of comedic relief 
to it. They got kind of political there at the end. Yeah. Uh, after Donald Trump was elected president, they started getting real, po- which BuzzFeed did that anyway with all their stuff. But I feel like the owner of BuzzFeed tells them, you need to kind of put this in there. Well, and, and Shane was very liberal. That might have been why they super, left. Super, super liberal. That might have been why they left too, though, because it's like, you're tr- trying to put stuff in there that's not what we want to do. That could you know? be. That could have been a big part. Um, but yeah, I, I started getting into some in the later series. Like, why are we talking politics in a paranormal show? But yeah. Um, but anyway, very good series. A lot of fun to watch. It's a good humor spin. It's not so dark. It's a, it's a good. It's a fun spin on paranormal. Um, so that is basically the Lizzie Borden uh, series for us. Uh, like I said, we were going to talk about the, the crime itself and then go into the trial and the paranormal. There's not a lot to talk about as far as the paranormal side, as far as like at least saying, hey, it's really, it's probably haunted. And based on the evidence that I've seen and heard, I would say that it is haunted. The EVPs it by probably them, is, yeah. The EVPs by themselves is enough for me to give credence to the fact that it's haunted. Um, uh, they say that there have been people that say that uh, if you try to take the chain, there is one thing where they say that if you try to take the change off that nightstand or off the dresser, supposedly you'll get scratched by Andrew Borden. He'll attack you. Um, now, in that particular episode, Shane didn't get attacked. So, But supposedly people have left the scratches. Uh, people have heard growling. They've heard crying. Um, there was one thing I was watching on YouTube about five years ago where supposedly someone was staying at the B&B and they came through the parlor where Andrew Borden was found dead and supposedly there was someone sitting there. Really? Like sitting on that sofa. Now, I don't believe that's the original sofa. I do believe it's a reproduction of the sofa, but supposedly someone was sitting on it and they were like, because there was only supposed to be like two other people there, but didn't look like anybody they knew. And when they said like, hello, it just kind of turned towards them but never spoke. And, it, and they couldn't really see any facial features. So, but yeah, very cool um, uh, story. Uh, as Noah said last week, that Lizzie Borden does seem to be becoming more prevalent for some reason all of a sudden. Uh, I think it does come and go in waves where she'll be really popular for a couple of years and then yeah. not so much. Um, and I do believe my TikTok algorithm has been listening to me because in the last week, I've been getting a ton more stuff on my feed uh, for Lizzie Borden. Not so much on Facebook, but on TikTok for some reason. It's just a ton of it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of It Came From Amity. As always, please talk uh, you know, to others about this uh, podcast, uh, to those who like this type of stuff, whether it's paranormal, UFOs, um, ghosts, goblins, ghouls, cryptids, you name it. We talk about it here. Um, what was it? Pudwuckies? Oh, yeah. So next week we are going to talk about the Pudwucky, which is like this. It's a nasty little Danny DeVito monster. Yeah. It's like a weird dwarf looking creature that dresses like a Native American. Fat, blobbous. With lots of like hair or quills. It's weird. Google them. Google Google image. The Pudwucky. And uh, what makes the Pudwucky legend cool is that it was really prevalent as a legend in Indiana during the... uh, post-colonial days and even post-colonial You ever want to get a crazy laugh out of a show? This is where I found this. I heard them say it. That mountain monster hunters show. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they have like the rednecks with the beards. Yep. And there's always the one that ends up getting captured. It's so fake. Dude. You know, it's such a drama, like scripted fake show. And here's the funny thing. So I see a text that apparently Noah sent to me a while ago, like a few days back. Yeah. And I never actually saw the text. 
and I just see Pudwucky. Yeah. In my text, that's all it said was Pudwucky, and I was like, "Is he trying to insult me? Like, why?" Sometimes, if I have a background on this, if I have an idea, I'll just text him a single word so we remember it. <laughs> that's kind of what I do, yeah, rather than writing it out or you know. Yeah, he'll just send me a text of like this idea. It's like in a flash. And I'll just be looking at it going, I think he just tried to insult me. <laughs> but that's what I thought. I'm like, Did this, like, what's a Pudwucky? Why is he calling me that? There's one guy on the show, though, who it's funny because that's a marathon show. You can marathon it because it's so mm-hmm. stupid. But, like, there's a guy. It's the old guy with the beard. And he's, like, the expert something. But he's always getting kidnapped by the monster. And then they bring <laughs> him back. And they're like, we rescued him from the monster. And now we got to go find the monster. Have you ever seen an episode of it? No. It's terrible. It sounds terrible. It's, lo- it's like that mountain men slash, you know, it's all dark and in the woods. And it's right. just a bunch of rednecks hunting monsters. <laughs> and they'll, it's just so bad, dude. It's so bad. But it's worth watching. I'll check it out just because it You'll sounds You'll get some so, laughs. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, talk to the people that you know that enjoy this type of stuff. I mean, like I said, we talk about it all. True crime, UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, you name it, we do it. Conspiracy theories is a big one. We've actually done a lot of conspiracies and stuff like that this year. Yeah. Um, uh, We're trying to get more back into the paranormal and true crime and weird stuff again. Um, But, you know, conspiracy is always part of the game, too. Conspiracy! Um, But with that said, I hope you guys enjoyed this little mini-series that we did on Lizzie Borden. Next week, we're going to be back with the Pudwuckies, and who knows what we'll do from there. Uh, With that said, this is Casey, and that is Noah, and have a good weekend. Have a good one.